like, I, I mean, I, I like this porn movie. Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> the woman here before was, uh, before you. I don't know if you've ever seen her. Oh, August, yeah. She's actually been a guest on my show. Yeah. Oh, uh, Girl Boner. Yes, Girl Boner. Yeah. Yeah, August McLaughlin. She's wonderful. It's a great show. How did you, did you? I was out in the lobby and I was hearing. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know nothing about her. She's really, really sweet and uh, has been has been doing shows here at Global Voice Broadcasting for, well, uh, well, I mean, for, for a while, hmm. for a while. Oh, hi. Uh, welcome to All of Our VoiceOver <laughs> with Kip VH. This is your host, Kip VH, and I am joined in studio by the lovely, the talented Andrew Hale. It, Hale, right? Is that Hale, it Hale. doesn't matter. Say whatever the same way. Just hire me. <laughs> Dude, we've known each other for maybe, what, like... Three, four years? When did you start working over at VoiceCaster? I've only been working there for maybe a year and a half. Oh, really? But yeah, but we've known each other through other stuff. Yeah. And certainly see each other in the audition hallways. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Different casting houses and whatnot. So, How, how long have you been here in Los Angeles? Are you from <laughs> native? Well, I have been here <clears throat> since 88, so coming up on 30 years, I guess. Oh, man. Long time, man. Where are you from originally? I'm a Jersey boy. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Were you doing this stuff there as well, or did you start this well, way? Well, you know, I came here. out to L.A. like every moronic 20-year-old <laughs> to to be famous. Right. Uh, and have, you know, and have a career in acting. And I realized that I liked money a lot more than the craft. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I drifted away from it. And, you know, I, I I went in and out of it between commercial, between onstage stuff. I drifted in and out of it, you know, and I just realized that corporate America treated me better as far as affording me a life that I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of slowly let that dream die. Hmm. It was painful. It was a painful dream, you know, killer. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure that the story, uh, I don't want to reveal the name of the book that I want to write because I don't want to give that away to too many people, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you off, uh, off mic. Okay. Um, so yeah. So in 2000, uh, I started to do a little more on camera stuff again. Uh, and I just realized I just didn't like the on-camera community. I just didn't. What what brought you back to on-camera after sort of... When... I, you know, you, you, when you feel like you've, you've gone away from something, when you feel like something that... The one thing that you love doing, yeah. right? Yeah. The one thing that you feel like you're able to do. The one thing that you wake up for. Yeah. You know, it's hard to find that in life. And for some people, it's philanthropic. Mm -hmm. For some people, they're just... Like my brother-in-law, my one brother-in-law, uh, he's a numbers guy. Hmm. Uh, and he was just born with that analytical brain that just makes him a ton of money through what he does, huh. um, you know. And uh, so I just I missed it. I wanted it. I just it was a creative outlet, and it was yeah. the only thing that I knew. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I know you know what that's like. I absolutely do. It's a thing. If you do, especially because the marketplace is changing so rapidly. So constantly. Yeah. Like I had gone into multimedia programming or producing. Mm -hmm. So I was doing interactive training in Toledo, Ohio for a better part of four or five years. Eh, timeline's a little off, but roughly. Yeah. And uh, the skill set that I got was great and it helped me doing this work. But when I started working at Second City, 
I mean, that was a full-time equity job, and I did that for a year and a half, and then I went to another place. And just being out of the traditional workforce for two and a half years, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't crack back in. Well, so you know? for me, it was the other way around. Huh. Um, I was uh, I was in the corporate world uh, and, and and pretty deeply embedded into it. Uh, and making, can you say what you were doing or where you yeah, were? Well, I, I ran the gamut. Um, okay. I worked in anywhere from marketing for nursing homes. Uh-huh. Then I got involved in a company that does wound care, uh, huh. and then a company that produced uh, uh, a wound care device, uh, so medical device okay. sales, mm-hmm. and then. I'll share this. You know, in my life, I've been laid off three times. Yeah. Not fired, laid off. I did yeah. get fired from a bartending job, and I was happy about that. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that, but um, I had it coming. <laughs> and it was well, they, they were well within their rights. Let me put it that way. Um, but uh, the. Uh, I had been laid off just too many times, three times, and, you know, and you, you get caught into this corporate cycle. Yes. And it was killing me inside because I was doing well. I yeah. did well with it. I enjoyed doing it for the most part. Uh, got laid off. And then I ended up coming back to one of the other companies that I was uh, with previously in in a pretty huge in a national contracting position. I mean, wow. I tell people, you know, I was uh, creating and designing and, and having signatures from healthcare companies. And it was very literal, uh, $40 million contracts. Oh, I mean, yeah. so- you know, it was it was it was it was really a big deal, and it was, it was enjoyable. I really liked it, um, but it was still corporate America. Yeah, and we could see the writing on the wall uh, where the um, and I'm tying in. I'll, I'll tie all this back. That's here, all right. So I'll try not to bore the living. No, out of you. dude, I, um, I've walked I've walked right alongside you in an adjacent. Mine was programmable logic controllers. There you go. So I'm I'm right yeah. there with you. But yeah. like, no matter what it is you're producing, selling, training on developing either the stuff comes out and then it's like oh, you're still here or you know that was at least my situation but well, yeah, so yeah right. with you. so the same thing right so um i was doing some voiceover in about 2010 uh, 2000 i should say mm. about 2000 i started uh started getting interested in it and understanding a little bit about it mm. um, trained with terry apple and then uh mark cashman mm. came along uh, and it was really, you know, then where I started to get passionate about it. Mm. About five years later, I started getting really into it. Yeah. <clears throat> and making a run at getting agencies and things like that. And I'm like, you know, I wish I could make a living like, at this. And one, my, my biggest problem with our industry is it is being presented as the gold rush. It is the gold rush. Like so everybody thinks, okay, I'm gonna go to to California or I'm gonna go wherever. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a, a microphone yeah. and, and I'm gonna make a living and I'm gonna be wealthy. And, and it's something I I'll talk to you about in a second. Uh-huh. So anyway, so I was laid off uh after um getting taken on with uh with with some regional agents and then with DPN here in LA uh-huh. and I was booking some pretty sizable stuff. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Not enough to make me feel like I could walk away from corporate America. Uh-huh. 
But then I saw writing on the wall. I was, I was with a company that was, you could see it was dying. Hmm. We knew that our department was at high risk and everything was, you know, defending your job, defend your job, defend your job. To, hey, right. it's Sunday. We need you to send an email to show us what you've done. In other words, defend yourself to us nonstop. So it was a year of that. Oh, God. And I was telling my wife at the time, you know, back then I was saying, look, I can't keep doing this. She's like, well, then leave. I'm like, well, why don't I wait until they get rid of me? Because I know it's good. They're going to get rid of my department. I'm, I'm very good at predicting that stuff. Uh -huh. We're seeing it. <clears throat> And uh, so I don't know whether I want to get another job. She goes, don't. See, she's always been terrific for me because she, you know, like you, yeah. like all of uh, talent, we don't know whether we have what it takes, but the people around us somehow they know. Yeah. So I got laid off that time and I made the decision not to go looking for another job. Um, and I had a severance package. So everything, you know, was helpful. And I, and I did have uh, a decent amount of union work uh, mm -hmm. that was paying the bills. And I did. I took the step off the bridge. You know, yeah. I just stepped off. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to make this decision. And like you, you were saying, you know, that there is a point of no return. Yeah. If you go too long without being in a field, well, you become obsolete. Right. So that that fear hung with me for about two and a half years. And I had to let go of that. I had to say, you know what? I am by all power. I am a full-time voice actor, yeah. and and I and I did everything that I could to make that happen. I paid dues like everybody else has to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I I I it, by year four, I said to Debbie, my wife, I said, "My God, you know, I'm doing it. We are doing it. I'm actually making a living at this." She goes, "Yeah, I know. Like, duh. Now I'm now I'm able to live in it." Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's a blessing to be able to do that. Yeah. So, but I, I only tell that story because I know there's a lot of people in our shoes yeah. that, you know, they're bartending or uh, <clears throat> they're doing whatever. They're working in, in uh, any number of jobs. They'll know when it's time. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll know when the time comes and they'll know when it, when, when, when they will be able to do this and, and call themselves a full-time voice actor. It's it's one thing to pull your your rickety dream off uh off a ramp when it's just you, mm -hmm. and when you are, you know, when your family is is in tow, there's that sense of, you know, I talk about this all the time with my wife or with in particular people who are becoming new parents, where yeah. it's like, you know, I remember when you know right before the baby was born. Standing there in, at Swedish Covenant Hospital in Chicago, where my wife is, you know, high-risk pregnancy. We didn't know it was high-risk until the water broke two months early. Mm. And there she is sitting there, you know, screaming, this is a madhouse. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I say to one of the nurses, I don't care what happens, you save my wife. And when the baby comes, the sudden turn of, I don't care what happens, you save that baby. Wow. And it was a physiological transformation that happened. Hmm. And then the feeling of being doing this work, especially like for us in Chicago when that hit, I mean, I'd been doing everything from working at the Wisconsin State Fair cleaning rings to product specialty work for Volvo and Mazda and whoever mm -hmm. would have me. Still work out of Detroit. Yeah. But uh, that day the baby came, I had my first meeting with innovative artists in Chicago. And within three weeks, I had booked a KFC national spot. That's terrific. Yeah. And it was like 
someone had said, when, a, when the baby comes, so does the money. And it was like, oh. I hear that, you mm-hmm. know, and I, and I don't have any kids, and I always say, I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder how much more successful I'd have been had mm-hmm. I had kids. Because I, the game changes, right? I mean, you, your priorities change, and you're, 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 it's, there's nothing hedonistic about life anymore. It's not That's about right. going out. It's not about you anymore. Right. You know, it's about what do you need to do. And the, the interesting thing, the thing that made me nervous the most was how will that pressure affect the choices I make in the booth? Will I, will I turn even uh, a radio demo into a national campaign in my head hmm. based on the pressure? Of like, I've got to book this because because we're low on formula. So how does that work for you, though, right? Because, I mean, hmm. the pressure is the one thing that kills everybody. I mean, yeah. In other words, it, it, it kills the artistic nature and it kills the reality, that you're, the presence you're supposed to be in. But do you feel as though that that's helped you? I don't. I've gotten to a place in my... I've got all kinds of bad wiring here and there, but 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 when it comes to going into the room with a microphone, for the most part, for most genres, yeah, I'm confident enough in myself that that I can say, yeah, leave your drama outside. That's not my drama. Yeah, I mean, I, my least favorite thing is when, like, if you're going to go do a corporate show or you're going to go do a series of a series of spots mm-hmm. and uh you know and there's a client present and someone tries to take their fear and put it on you the talent where they go uh no pressure and then you go why are you putting that into this space there is no pressure i don't feel any pressure because at the end of the day i'm going to sign my my union contract and, and, go not, home. and not only that right um they already hired you yeah. You already did the hard part. The hard part is The done. hard part's getting the damn job. That's right. And then once you're in there, you can kind of breathe and relax and but you know, and that doesn't come overnight. Again, true. Uh being over at, at Voicecaster, I, I I see some newer talent and yeah. uh some of them know how to own it and some of them they get nervous. It's like, well, what are you nervous about? Yeah. You know, the people that are getting hired are the people that are just not necessarily the, the, the term throw it away. We have a lot of terms now in our industry that are just overused, yeah. you know, conversational. Like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Right. You know, um, you get the idea of what it means, but you have to be more specific. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see how the people that don't put a lot of pressure on themselves, that just kind of do their thing, they seem to be the ones that are working because they mm-hmm. just know how to let traffic that, that hour and a half or the miserable traffic that they drove through to get to an audition, uh, you know, they, they know how to shake it. And yeah. It's kind of fun to watch those people. It's, huh. it's very fun to watch the people who just do what they do and they enjoy it. How has that changed you as a voice actor? I try to th- – I keep it real simple with, with my analogy. Hmm. Um, it has changed my booking ratio oh, personally in I a really- huge way. And the weird part is it's not because I'm trying a deeper technique. I'm not going Stanislavski on stuff. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. overanalyzing. I, you know, I, I have a friend of mine, uh, Glenn Steinbaum. He and I agree. You know, we can, we can overanalyze. All these acting techniques yeah. can bog you down. Absolutely. Like, so they're, they're, they're in your head and they're screwing with you and you're like, oh, what's, you know, what's my motivation? All that, you know, the, right. the typical kind of stuff. What changed for me? I will say if you are at a level where you're getting called into a casting house and you're with a decent agency who believes in you, who's sending you copy, yeah. if you're getting that copy and you're getting it regularly, there's a reason you're getting it. 
Mm-hmm. The reason is because you've got something. Yeah. You've already got what they're looking for. You, you've beaten the odds. So you can take a deep breath and take the pressure off of you. So where it changed for me was I, I hear people come in and I'm like, well, they're not doing anything that I'm not doing. They're not anything you know, we have some incredible talent that come in, but yeah. I'm just as relaxed as they are. Yeah. I'm having as much fun as they are. Mostly, you know, sometimes when you walk in, you know, you, you, I, I should have just saved everybody's time. That was the worst audition I've done in history. We all have those. Yeah. But in the meantime, you just relax. And, and if you're in the game, if you're in that casting house and you're behind that microphone and it's not your first time, yeah. if you've been there a couple of times, there's a reason. Yeah. You can relax. All the pressure's off. Once I realized that I'm in the game, once I realized that I get to play with the with in the big leagues, I'm not hoping to get to the minors. I'm not hoping to make AAA. You're there. I'm in the majors. Yeah. And I get to play with these people that are astounding, and I get to win some of these jobs. It changed it. I'm like, you know what? I got this. Yeah. It relaxed me. And when you relax, when you just own your shit in the booth. Yeah. And I don't mean be cocky. Sometimes it calls for cocky. Sometimes it calls for relax. Sometimes it calls for, you know, apathetic, right. whatever. But if you just trust yourself and you do you and you hear it all the time, just do what you do. Right. And the good director said, just do what you do. We, we hire We're bringing you in for that. Yeah. Once you do you and once you know who you are, you'll book. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you sound like. It's mm. not about the pipes all the way through. It's about being true to the copy. And it really, that that's what changed it for me. And I try to share that with people. That's great. It's easy. That's the disturbing part of it. It's easy. Is that it is easy. Yeah. And that's the part that makes me feel crazy, <laughs> right. that it shouldn't be this easy. Why am I yeah. having such an easy time with this copy? This seems like so hard. And these other people are saying how torturous it is. Mm. And it just it's just like, no, dude, it's Kurt Russell and me. It's the Kurt Russell swagger that I like to do from time to time, where it's just a little bit big trouble in Little China. Yeah. And 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 how are you not seeing that? Well, that's not that's not that their instrument. That's not their reference. That's not their, you know. I I, uh, I I was uh, doing a casting today. I was directing for a casting. Um, it was it was female reads, mm-hmm. and about five times I said to different people that were in, I'm like, you know, that was nice, but that was safe, too safe. Wow. Because with me, I don't want you to be safe. Yeah. It, look, if if it doesn't work, I'm not going to tell you it stinks, right? It just may be the incorrect choice, right? There are plenty of choices. You make a choice. Don't be safe. Safe isn't booking right now. Hmm. Safe is not. It's the person who does something quirky. It's the person who makes it their own. It's the person who just gives the producer a light that says, oh, yeah, that works. Because hmm. yeah, they're writing it one way. You know, of course, they're using whatever, Dennis Leary or whoever they have right. in their mind, um, you know, as a reference. But great. We'll keep the safe read. I'll put it in there because maybe they want that pretty safe read. But take a chance. Hmm. And I, I would say that most directors, most booth directors out there, they, they let you do it. And if yeah. you make them laugh, look at them. If they're laughing, then you probably did something right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That makes a lot of sense. It's it's easier said than done, though, right? Sure. Because you go, well, make a strong choice. And, you'll, and I'll go, all right. Well, how strong is this choice? Is this too strong? Or, you know, and it's all that it's that's it's that same thing about like. 
you know it when you hear it. You know, I mean, I I was teaching class last night and we were playing back work that we did the week before. Hmm. And what what I generally do. That's smart, though, because, I mean, you know, when you sit on it for a while, that's actually I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's that's a smart way to look at it. It was helpful back to it. Yeah. And I'd never done that. Truthfully, we've always kind of been like, let's record and we'll play it back and analyze it and talk about the choices you made. And instead. Uh, we did it. We did a field trip, mm-hmm. and the wonderful Josiah over at Patches hung out late and gave these kids an opportunity to see what it's like to walk into an actual studio and have the the deafening silence of a quiet room. You know, let's come and, back to that in a minute, though, because I want to have that discussion about that first. Yeah. Yes, and when we. So we went back to Second City, and this is where I teach the class. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "So here's our records from last week, and everything we did was." Um, comic books. So I, I'll, I, my friend works at DC, and she hooked me up with a ton of great, like, sort of deep catalog new comics. I wish everybody could see your your body language right now. You're like, I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm handing out this. I'm literally showing you how thick the stack of comics is, yeah, and I yeah. hand them all out, and they all read. And I want them to do two human characters and one creature. So uh, they go through and find a character they can read, and they read a snippet. And it's like, look, it's it's the same as reading video game copy or animation copy. It's essentially for you. It's contentless. You're going to have a second or two to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And now, and then I'll redirect you. And the difference between listening to take one and take four, and and it's it, you know it, it's so cliche because it's what we just said. You your know God. it when you Trust hear it. God. But it's like the difference between I hear you reading it. Mm-hmm. And now I hear you making the almost the exact same choices in terms of the music of the line, almost the same choices in terms of who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. But in this fourth take, I believe that you're actually talking to someone versus take one where I believe that you're reading it. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, the who are you talking to? It, it, I, for me, that's one of the hardest damn things. Like, who are you talking to? Well, I was having this conversation with um <clears throat> One of the Kalmansons. Mm-hmm. And it was Kathy, and she was a little like, well, she couldn't understand why I didn't understand it. I, I understand it. But sometimes when copy isn't written in a way that communicates with me, yeah. right? Yeah. Then I have a hard time making it my own because it's not it's not something I would say. It's mm-hmm. not how I would say it. Mm-hmm. It's not designed in a way I think. So sometimes copy does call to you, right? Sometimes you're like, mm. damn, this is great copy. Yeah. I like this copy. And sometimes you just can't polish poop or whatever they call it. You know what I mean? You just, <laughs> right. You know, the, the, this, this <laughs> young copywriter who's just out of high school apparently has written this thing that they think is the best copy on earth. Right. By the way, it's not in my DNA. And if I see that in one more piece of copy, I'm, I'm getting on a plane. I'm smacking the copywriter. It's not in my DNA. Um, What's not your DNA? The, the, the cliche, just the whole the whole cliche of it's in our DNA. Everybody's oh, that, writing it's in our DNA in every piece of copy now. Oh, man. Yeah. It's in our DNA. So, it's, it's in, in my our DNA. DNA. It's in your DNA. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that it's in my DNA. <laughs> but right uh, again, how do you make that your own? That's always been a challenge. Like, mm. how do you make something that you just don't identify with? 
as your own. Bill, Bill Holmes teaches uh, uh, some really good stuff on, you know, on how to make it your own. And, uh, yeah. you know, so you're not talking about whatever it is. You just talk about something that you enjoy. But sometimes yeah. I have a hard time with that. I hear you. I, I, Dave Walsh uh, was in here a couple weeks ago and, and, and we talked about that very thing and, mm-hmm. and, and his true tell method and stuff. And I've found a lot of that's helped me a great deal. I, the, the missing component for me was something that Walsh said was saying how you actually feel about the copy before you begin out loud mm-hmm. in the room like and that was that was a missing step for me because i could i could totally get behind like oh i i i uh i i i hate uh i'm trying to choose something relish mm-hmm. but i love honey mustard but this is a spot for relish and and for me to make the substitution without confessing that at the outset yeah felt forced and weird i'm like oh no well listen if relish is going to pay rent I love relish. Right, right. And figuring right. out that, but then the money read is going to creep in versus the true authentic. If I want to yeah, make a right. better so, hot dog. Right. So it is, and that's a huge challenge. You work on that, right? And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Um, yeah. I did. I remember I was working out with Kelly at, at the Voicecaster, and there was a kitty litter uh, commercial that we were practicing with. She turns on the microphone, and and in 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 this one booth, uh, there's a huge feedback factor, so the microphone's mm-hmm. really low. So it's like you know you kind of hear her little voice in the in the speaker. It's like you don't like cats, do you? Well, I'm like, no, I hate cats. She goes, yeah, I can tell. Wow. Because it was about kitty litter. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was that shining moment. And this was probably three years ago. And Mm. I will never forget it, that we all have those amazing words or things moments. Yes. Um, She called bullshit on me. Huh. Which I love, by the way. I, I I will do that to people in the booth as well. Yeah. Um, I did. I'll say I didn't believe you. Good, but I didn't believe you. Yeah. Um, I love that because it, it reminded me to be aware of what my sentiments were on any given piece of copy. Yeah. Because there could be a skew. You know what I mean? That that is in there, and and you know the heart tells what the heart feels. Right. And uh, yeah, that's a big challenge. The mic hears everything, and and opinion certainly opinion, and or like, lack thereof, or lack thereof. Yeah, but yeah. there's and 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 the converse is true. I when when I get a piece of copy for a product or a service or or you know even if it's like if I'm voice matching a celebrity that I really love. Mm-hmm. And not only know I can do really well, but love the guy, love the guy's work. And it's just an honor to participate in it. Yeah. It, it's, it, I, I love that for those moments from whenever you're ready to, that was great. I am Batman. Mm-hmm. I am Michael Keaton there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I get to inhabit in that space. And it's one of the most satisfying parts of this job. So, I'll go back to what we were talking mm. about with Gold Rush. Yeah. You know, in this day and age, um, and I, I, I'm trying to censor where I take this, but, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, yeah, it's a craft, but it is a business. Yes. You know, and if you want to do this as a hobby, have at it and stay in the hobbyist realm. But if you really want to thrive in it, it is a business. Um, and going as deep as we are right now in these, you know, what does copy mean? People don't, people, people that come up to you and say, hey, um, you know, I was hoping maybe you could work with me because I've been told I have a really good voice. Mm-hmm. They say I have a really good sound. I, I, I'm, I'm a daydream breaker, man. I'll be mm-hmm. like, you know, that's terrific. Um, 
and I'll I'll steer them away. I'll be like, you should probably read a couple of books. And I'll give them some references of, of yeah. books to read on voice acting and, and voiceovers and stuff. Because if you think it's just about your radio DJ voice, um, you're you're wasting everybody's time, no less than your own. No um, less than your own. It is That's a business. Right. So a lot, you know, back in two thousand. I don't know, maybe 2012, I think, was when we got, we all got hit with the, you know, the voice one, two, three stuff, the yeah. voices.com stuff, the, the um, commoditizing of huh. voice acting, right? Yeah. And it created a lot of hobbyists out there. Hmm. And in my opinion, it's fine to go after it, but you've really got to have a drive for it. You've got to really mean it. That said, I was just talking about this with another friend. Um, you know, uh, hobbyists could ultimately hurt and kill our industry hmm. because there's some people that are decent enough to get the work done, um, to drive rates down and, and stuff like that. But the other part of it, you know, I'm going to get a little philosophical because it's been kind of a, a philosophical couple of years for me. Hmm. Um the beauty to me is there is so much work here, yeah. so much. You can't like there's IVR, which is telephone, yeah. uh, you know, voice answers. Some people, that's what they do. That's where I started. Um, audiobooks. Yep. I personally don't love doing audiobooks. There are a ton of work. Yes. Um, and again, it's one of those where they've commoditized it mm. and your ego can tell you, yeah, I do audiobooks, but if you're going to make $1,200 – on 40 hours worth of work and never see another penny. Right. Uh, and maybe more, you know, uh, especially your first couple books. Boy. Everybody's got to pay their dues, and I think you should. But if you're looking to make a living at it, you really need to understand your value and your net worth. Yeah. But ADR and looping, yeah. right? We talked about that. That's right. Everybody says you can't get into that. Well, anybody can if you if you if you focus on people it. do it and if you like you say if you if you have a skill set for it and you train and you find the right people i i that whole idea of no one can or you can't that it's an impenetrable barrier i'm like that i just i shut my mouth and point at someone like they stole a cookie out of a jar yeah there's a guy over there doing it and they keep making movies and they make a lot of them yep. and i sure hear a lot of crowd noises and you can't tell me that those guys are that busy every single day there's um, commercial stuff. Mm -hmm. There's regional commercial. There's local commercial. There's national commercial. There's international commercial. There's web. There's uh, I mean, the, you can, you just can't stop corporate e-learning. That's right. Uh, uh, educational stuff. There are so many facets of this. So when you're comparing yourself to the guy who's doing promo. Whoever that is. I mean, I, I personally have gone after promo. I've done some promo. I haven't done nearly as much promo as I'd like. But again, it was one of those where, well, you'll never make it in that. Well, but at least let me try. Right. I tell people it, it, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. And and it's being sold as that. I, hmm. I, I don't know whether you feel that, but I, I think with the voice123s, I think with the voices.coms, I think with the commoditizing, people are selling this as a get-rich-quick scheme. Thing, uh, yeah. kind of scheme and it's not if you want to make a living out of this you've got to really find what makes you happy in it because yeah. there's so many wonderful amazing places and every time you turn around you're like oh my gosh i didn't even know people did that yeah 
I don't know about that whether for you. I but. I feel my my perspective on it is a little bit different, but I but I share that concern. I what I remember because I came in as Voice Bank became a thing. Yeah, and I I got into the market in Chicago, and I benefited from Voice Bank because I, while I had a lot of ex- success in Detroit. Uh, doing automotive when the voice bank copy started to crack open and things and the guys who had sort of had it locked up were like what is this well how how come all of a sudden guys all over the place are taking this work what i tell my students is if you want to if you want to learn this the only way for you to learn it is to do it Mm -hmm. and if you want to drop the 400 bucks at voices one two three or voices.com and start auditioning and get in the game you are you are welcome to but but don't look at that as an end in itself if you want to do this work don't don't get me wrong uh when when you are looking to experience it i any port in a storm. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you, you've got to learn somehow. ACX is a tremendous vehicle for people Boy, who want to do that stuff. Sure. Right? However. Um, but, you you know, when people ask me, because I'll never forget when Terry Apples, you know, uh, gave the first class. We talked about how much it would cost to get involved in it. You know, no less. And, and tell me if you agree or disagree with this. But if you're going to be serious about and I mean serious about this, you're going to spend $10,000. Yeah. Demos, over, lessons. Yep. yep. Over, oh, certainly. And you, and that that was the, that's the, I mean, I think, I remember the first time I heard a, a number associated with actually doing it, and it was Nancy Wolfson said something to the effect of like probably close to five grand for mm. starters. Yeah. And, you know, and, and everyone in the, in the audience <laughs> was like, <gasps> and you go, well, yeah, but if you're going to become a doctor, how much are you spending on? Absolutely. If you're going to become, a, if you're going to be a craftsman or mm-hmm. a, a craftsman, if you're going to be, well, a, no, you if know, you're going to be a craftsman. I mean, just think about the tools that you buy and the skills, I mean, and a the, router and whatever else, and your licensing and your content, right. whatever it is. Right. It's not just you know, it's not just an Apogee mic and a and a and a and Garage Band, and you can you can audition and stuff, but I. I, I the, the folks who say I can send in, I can just record my auditions on my iPhone and send that in. I'm like, yeah, you can, mm-hmm. but you're also going to be competing against someone who recorded <laughs> it in their home studio on a yeah. on a Neumann, on a baby Neumann, and uh, and you can compete against them. So good luck. But you know, if if their read is terrible, then awesome. But I, I, chances are the person with a Neumann isn't giving you a really horrible read. <laughs> I get excited um, when somebody shows passion about it. Mm. Yes. You know, and and they're there. And here's another thing that I that that, that being over uh, at Voicecaster really helps me with. I see some of the people that took some of the classes, and they come in and they're they're green, yeah. but they're good. <clears throat> and I love to see their eyes open up. I was going to bring this up. Like, do you remember your first studio when you walked in and actually oh, got yeah. to do it? I, I think most yeah. of us do. I, I remember what mine was. Where was it? Uh, 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 Come back to it. I will. Um, I love seeing people that are like, wow, I'm actually here. I'm actually auditioning. And those are the people that I, I root for every time because there's a joy in it. Yeah. And I, man, it's cool. Yeah. Don't you get right? Uh, every every time I step onto the property at I mean, every, every one of these places in this town has that feeling. And mm-hmm. they did in Chicago, too. And, I mean, Joby Cerny's place, 
I mean, it's just you see the cassettes and it still smells faintly like cigarette smoke that they used to smoke in the 70s. And you know that. You know, these are the guys who <laughs> built yeah, this place. It's a great, it's a great description because you know? I can now I can smell the smoke. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's true. at Voicecaster. It's one of the things I love about Voicecaster, yeah. just with the cassette with the with the reel to reels on the wall on yeah. and the names of the people. And I know that if you played those things, you would recognize every single one of those voices. Oh, the wall. Oh. Ne- next time you're in, remind me to show you the back. There are names every time. There are thousands of them back there, but oh. there are names back there that I'm like. Uh, there was an Edward R. Murrow. Right, and I almost like, and I I looked at that wall. I look at that wall, I don't know, a few times a month, and names keep popping out that I'm like, well, I didn't know we had their tape. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, these are these are these are the 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 pioneers of it all. This pioneers, pretty cool, and it's tangible because you know that they handed that tape to someone mm-hmm. and they said, well, uh, here's my tape, and then they can. <laughs> Put that up and was is that was that your Edward R. Murrow? No, that was my. Uh, it was a, it was a bad impression of a. Well, let's see who's who. Uh, well, here's Connery. Uh, I just wanted to drop off my tape. Huh? If you wouldn't mind, Miss Moneypenny, <laughs> I've got a little tape and uh, it's going to self destruct on you, my lord. <laughs> I love everybody's different take on different people. Is it like it's one of my one of my side fascinations? Like, do you know Jeff Bottoms? Have you seen Jeff come? Yeah, by yeah, 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 yeah. His like he does a, he does a Liam Neeson. We both do Liam Neesons, but both of our Liam Neesons are different. And my Liam Neeson is buried in the back of my throat and sort of in the resonant. And his resonant is a little bit deeper. And it it's like the the bits he, that he says. Are, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. So it's funny because Saturday Night Saturday Night Live is is is, is probably. The catalyst for people's impressions of anyone. Yeah. Right? Um, and what turns out for me, because I, I don't really pick up uh, 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 Piet Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Piet's incredible. That's talent. Yeah. I love that guy. Um, you know, he can inherently dissect that voice, whoever it is, and do it well yeah. and do it accurately. When I, By the time I get to it, I'm doing it characterization of somebody else who's been doing it who has been doing it from right. somebody else. You know, like the right. Arnold Schwarzenegger kind right. of thing. They are just an Arnold. You know, I couldn't right. really do an Arnold, but, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm mimicking yeah. three people before You're doing them. Kevin Nealon's bad version of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, that whole thing, the, the copy of a copy aspect of it is really fun. It's insane. But, yeah. But, but that's what brings it to light for us, I think. I agree. So, so where, was your, where was your first microphone? Oh, man. You you stepped up and it, the first one that producers. made me feel like it was. Well, there was there was the there was the home space of uh, AudioCom in Toledo, but I was a producer there first. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would go on the microphone, it was never like it wasn't a big deal. It was it was go in there and screw around. We would do we would record haiku. We would um, we were doing big long industrial copy, and to break it up and to give my primary voice talent to break, I would write. Stupid sketch comedy, just bits, and have him record that microphone, and, bare wire. That's whatever, it. Yeah, exactly. And just <laughs> he would just break, and we'd howl, and it was the best day because we were producing something, and we weren't stuck, you know, coding. Um, but the the one that I remember the 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 old school was when I got to go to Ron Rose in Detroit, mm-hmm. and I booked. Oh come on. Uh, something for a an automotive company. It probably was an industrial the first time I was at Ron Rose, but um, that was a big deal. 
that was a big deal because of the age of it and because of the smoke and because of the legendariness of of that particular studio. Yeah. Here, um, uh, it, it was the Warner Brothers ADR3. ADR3 is that's that's my room. And the one year anniversary of being in Los Angeles, I booked a Sylvester Stallone voice match ah. to do all of his AD, all of his exertions for the film Bullet to the Head. Wow. And we did it in ADR3 and it was my birthday. Oh wow. And um it was it was probably one of the most important sessions that I've had because I learned not only did I learn how to do exertions from the ADR director, mm-hmm. but I got to that. Usually, when I go to Warner Brothers for ADR, that's the space I'm in. And when I did ADR for my on-camera work in Batman versus Superman, cut to three years later, and I'm doing ADR for myself. That's cool, right? That's that's beyond cool. That's the dream, you yeah. know. It's like to to be able. It's awesome to be able to do impressions of guys and to cover them in a movie and to be able to participate and tell them the story. But then to be able to do the TV version, so the censored, like, clean up my language from the feature and Zack Snyder sitting on a couch behind me giving me redirects. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That that was, to me, because I know that, like, on Unforgiven, Clint had a barbell set up in the exact same space. So I will- uh, That's mine. I'll share- I'll share- to that point, yeah. about ADR and looping, <clears throat> about how people tell you you can't do things. Mm-hmm. I was at a studio that shall remain nameless, and I was doing an audition. Uh-huh. And I saw some guy with this uh, football jacket, you know, with the leather sleeves, you know, like a varsity jacket, but it had blah, blah, looping group. Uh-huh. And I wanted to ask him a question. You know, I want to say, hey, you know, I noticed you're in X, Y, I don't even remember the name of the looping group. Yeah. And there, I have a, a good friend of mine, Mark Comstock. He was actually at this audition as well. Mm. He and I didn't really know each other well back then. Uh-huh. But, but he remembers the story. Uh, I waited and waited for this guy because he was talking to the to the owner of the of the uh, audition house. Okay. Blah 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 blah. And I'm waiting patiently. So I walked up to the guy. I said, "Hey, I noticed you're with this group." I'm really curious about it. I'm really interested in it. Is there anything you can tell me? He goes, yeah, well, you know, it's really hard to get into. And to be honest with you, we're really kind of protective about, you know, sharing the space with it. You know, it, it's just kind of hard. And that's all he would tell me. That was it. I was like, well, thanks a lot, douchebag, you know, in my head. I'm like, well, I mean, and I, again, I try to approach people in a very honorable yeah. Hey, man, I'd like to learn from you. Right. Because we can all learn from each other. We can be as cocky as we want and act like we own the world like young actors do like I was right. when I was 22 and sure. lying about every everything. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a manager. <laughs> um, uh, I'm working on an indie, man. <laughs> I, just, right. I just got hired on an indie. Uh, but uh, that was one of those moments that I said, well- Fuck this guy. Hmm. I'm going to figure this out. And it took nine years, a lot of homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to inundate my the person that gave me the inroad. Uh, fuck it. Johnny Gitcomb. <laughs> I love him. He is, he is one of the few people out there that was doing any kind of workshop hmm. 
on stage with ADR and looping and understanding it. And uh, through some time, uh, I actually got my first gig wow. with him it, for looping. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I now get to do it with a couple of different groups. Yeah. Uh, and no, it's not easy to get into. And the work is, you know, it, it, it's it, I don't make my living at it. Right. But anybody can do it. If you just focus on it and it's what you want to do. I know a couple of people that, you know, they, you know, like I know uh, Layla Berzins, she was mm. doing internet videos mm. um, and now she's doing animation stuff. Um, Piet Michael, he was doing his impersonations and now he's on mad TV. Right. You know, these are people that are passionate about what they do. And I think that's the bottom line. Uh, they're, they're just they're just super passionate people and they mean what they say. And there's opportunity for them. I, I just want to be really inspirational with this conversation more than anything. I, yeah. There's a ton of naysayers out there. There are. And, and you'll, you'll meet them every day. Yeah. I, I had a, a, an entire community of them. And I had to keep moving until I finally got to a place where, where everybody around you is like, we're all trying to figure it out, man. So I've got like five years maybe of ADR and looping under my belt, which is nothing for a guy my age. It's nothing compared to the Paul Papes of the world and, you know, sure. uh, uh, you know, all the other guys and, and yourself included in that mix. I get giddy when I walk onto Warner Brothers and I see the plaques by the sound stages. Oh, man. When I go over to Fox Studios, I'm you like, bet. shit, I'm on Fox lot. I'm like a kid. And, and I, I never take that for granted ever. And I still send thank you notes to the mm. to the because I just I I can't believe that I had a you know a lifetime of doing something different and I finally getting do this stuff. Yeah, man, I got to do a, a bit on the Thundermans for Nickelodeon, right? Yeah, on camera bit. Yeah, three line co star, super fun. Got to come to the table read, and they did the wardrobe, and then we shot that day. And and the the guy who plays the father on the show is an actor named Chris Tallman. And uh, he's a comedy sports guy, really funny, and and just got a you know wonderful gig. Yeah, and and treated me, welcomed me in with open arms, and just made me feel comfortable. We know a lot of the same people, and became friends on Facebook and everything. It was just a really generous experience. So it's a legitimate friendship. Then. Legitimate friendship. If it's on Facebook, yeah, now yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. It's completely <laughs> legitimate. And he just accepted my LinkedIn uh, the other day. Nice. But the point was, we were on stage twenty five at Paramount, and. I, I walked through underneath the bleachers and uh, was like, this looks familiar to me. And 20 some odd years ago, I was out here in 1991 for a semester and we went to go see a taping at Cheers. And wow. it was that stage. Wow. And and uh, so to be able to walk on that set and perform on that set and uh, where, where Cheers shot and where... Frasier shot mm -hmm. and now to be part of a storytelling thing where bosom buddies shot like it was it was you it goes beyond fandom in that way of this feeling of like these are the things that I more than dreamed or fantasized but felt I needed to be a part of in one way or another so you and get it absolutely yeah. oh man it, it is that passion though right? yeah. I mean it is you asked, like, what made me come back to it, just like you, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, your dream slowly dies on the vine, but you realize, you know, I got to tell you, I'm I'm not happy yeah. answering to the man. 
I mean, you know, we live, you know, it's Hollywood and, you know, it's the man. There's always a man. Labor. There's always the man in one way or the other. But but we get to do what we love and, and we get to do it passionately. And there are lean years. Maybe not for you. But, oh, yeah, you know, compared to, you know, the, 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 the corporate America where you know what you're making every year. But That's you're right. still at the end of the day, <laughs> you know. You're in your booth in your pajamas at home, mm-hmm. and you're you're somehow making it work. And yeah. opportunities are coming, and there's so many of them out there. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, when, that's... when when those opportunities are coming, it it just that I say often. You know, when when I got to Los Angeles, I had to re. Ah, in Chicago, I learned this lesson too because it was a bigger game than what I would had been in before. But. But I had to redefine my notion of what success was. Mm-hmm. Success isn't necessarily booking the job. Success is getting the second call. Success is being invited back to the casting director's office. Mm-hmm. Success is getting an audition in the first place or getting a getting a stream of copy. And success is having, you know, uh, God, just being able to pursue the work, you know? It's so wax on, wax off. Um, <laughs> I started playing guitar about two years ago. Huh. Much, you know, because it was one of those things where I just never did it. I, I tried it, never stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And this time I was determined. You know, you can look, you can look at things that way. Um, you know, obviously you have to book. You have to make money doing it in yep. order for you to make common sense out of it. Right. I mean, let's be honest. There are people out there that you wonder why they're still at it because you know they're not really working. Yeah. But if they love it, I'm not going to judge you. Right. You know what I mean? Um, for me, it is business. If this, if I wasn't able to put food on my table, pay my mortgage, I would go back to doing what I had to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm very blessed that way. Um I don't know where I was going with this, but I, I just, you know, the, oh, the wax on, wax off. Yeah. You look back, and again, you don't realize, you don't know what you don't know. You can't know what you don't know. Right. And when you can look at things in hindsight, when you can look at things in retrospect and say, hey, you know what? I made, made it happen back then, but boy, am I much better now. Hmm. The much better now, the walking in to the booth, being comfortable and not nervous. Right. Only time is going to let that happen for you. That's right. And and you're going to – it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what business you're in. There's going to be some hot shot that walks in that's got something that everybody is saying, oh, my God, this is our next star. You're like, right. well, what the fuck has this guy got that I don't have? It's going to happen to you. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, the opportunities are there. You just got to stick with it. You got to yeah. hang in, man. Yeah. Yeah. Look yourself in the mirror and keep telling. You I don't do that there. anymore. You don't do yeah, yourself yeah, in the mirror. No, I'm still too old for that. Shit, I'm still. Yeah. In the, I'm still looking in the mirror a little bit, <laughs> giving me an affirmation from time to time. Yeah. But but only really when it's lean. That, right. <laughs> when I when I need it when it's kind of like I will sell a home today. It's, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, I I feel like it's what I love about about this particular. Uh, conversation and this, this, you know, I mentioned to you before we were rolling or while we were rolling is just how much I uh, love this space mm-hmm. Be- because we are all independent contractors with our own set of experiences prior to when we got into this milieu and bouncing around and seeing different things and sharing those things and finding these universal truths. So to that point, yeah, you know, I don't... the. <laughs> 
Say something nice or don't say something at all. Uh, <laughs> the voiceover community has been – I don't think there's another community like it. I mean, I was in 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 a field where uh, of you know where where people were nurses and, and in the nursing community, and it's a, it's a different breed of people, and they're very kind and giving. Yeah. But I don't think in the acting world, in the Hollywood world, I don't think there's a support network like there is in the voiceover community. Yeah. People are encouraging each other. We root for each other. Many of us root for each other. Yeah. We really hope, you know that. If if someone's going to book it, if it's not me, I want it to be my friend. Yeah, you know, I don't think the on camera is that way. I think the on camera community is a much different beast. It's got a pretense to it. It's got a lot more bullshit to navigate. Mm-hmm. But I will say, in the voiceover community, I I imagine you have the same experience. I can when I meet somebody and I'm friendly with them. You can go out and you can have a beer. You can have a coffee with them. Yep. That's going to happen a lot more here. Yeah. It's just really a supportive, phenomenal group of folks. I agree. I, I 100% agree. One, one of the things that inspired me to do this show mm-hmm. was we were – I'm surprised there's emotion on it and I'm not uh, at the same time. Uh, not surprised there's emotion on it because it was one of the most generous things I'd ever seen an actor do for another actor. We were sitting in – the lobby at CESD waiting to go in. Mm-hmm. And it, I had already read, um, but Fred came in. And when Fred Tadashore walks in, it's always uh, delightful. Yeah. And Fred sat down, and there was another actor in there who was completely beside himself because he was a super fan of- Fred. Of Fred. Yeah. And, and of not just of him, but also- animation and the world and here's a guy who is doing it and um the the one of the great things about that moment was fred was like oh well what are you reading and he was like well i'm looking at this and there was another girl who was in there reading something completely different maybe like a late teen and she was like well i have a question about this thing and fred was like well let's look at it and he he taught a class like he just taught a class about what his process was. I do this thing, and well, you so you can tell that this. I look at this drawing, and you see he's this and this and this, and I might take him into this place, but you could also take him into this place, and that's completely legitimate. And here he was giving like this, this sort of sharing his process with someone who was nervous and getting ready to go into the booth, yeah, and giving them the confidence to go. The decision process that you're in, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to let all the the mystery about what you're about to experience get in the way of what you're supposed to do, which is just go in there and play. So permission has been yeah. the 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 kind of a I don't know whether it was a you know because I just did a, a workshop over at K and K, but you know give yourself permission, and it's hard to let go. It's hard to give yourself that permission because yeah. you're censoring what everybody's thinking of you. Yeah, um, you know there was a, a I'm going to tell a Fred Tattisher, uh story. There was a uh, a woman that came in to voicecaster. I, I know it sounds like I'm there all the time. I'm I'm, I'm not there very often. Huh. Um, but it was in there, and uh, Fred was in the lobby. I'm getting ready. He does a lot of auditions there. Yeah, uh, you know his own. He yeah, brings them in. he's self. So, I know he does a lot. He's got the star there. That's, that's <laughs> my goal is to eventually book a VO and go well, book. Me too, man. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um. So. He was sitting in the lobby, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, she was coming in. You know, I'm really interested in 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 animation, and 
uh, you know, and Fred's like, she didn't know who it was. Fred's like, oh, great, man. You know, that's great. You know, the Fred kind of thing. It's the worst Fred Tattashore impression <laughs> in the history of mankind. But yeah, you know, he's just engaging. And, yeah. and, and, and so I wrote his name down on a piece of paper. And I said to the woman in front of him, I said, I want you to go home and I want you to Google this name. Mm. I said, because that's who you're talking to. And hopefully you'll be inspired by the conversation that you had. That I don't know whatever happened to her because she didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, and it was, he's like, oh, you're too kind, man. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, but I, I think she came back actually and she did a demo uh, or was working on, on getting a demo done over there. You don't, that's the other thing. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're talking to here. You never know. And I can't tell you how many times people come in that I really don't. Because I'm not in every genre, right? I don't yeah, do right. a lot of animation. They come in and I'll <clears throat> Google some people. I'm like, holy shit. What an IMDb on them. Right. You've got a hell of an IMDb. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? It's I'm building. Like, I know. It's, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. 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 Just you can learn from everybody. And there's so many people that are willing to do what you're saying. They're willing to impart their experience. I don't feel like – I feel like my talent is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know I'm Catholic, it's a gift, but uh, but it's also I'm the steward of it. Yeah. But everything that got me to where I am, I owe to Bo Berdahl, Oliver at CESD, and Samit, and Pat, and Kathy, and Vinny, and David, and Deidre, and and everybody over there, and then yeah. everybody at my agency prior over at Innovative, and then the people at Innovative in Chicago, and everybody who gave me a piece of copy. Yeah. And then gave me a redirect. Everything I've booked from working with you and working with Elaine and working over at the Kalmansons, like it's they're, they're so so from that standpoint, I own my skill set, but I don't own the network that created it or that knowledge that came from another place. Sure. And I feel called to share that because if you want to do that work, here is this wellspring. We need them. Mm-hmm. We need you to get out there. So one of the things that I do to that point, like. People are like, yeah, I'm really interested in blah, blah, blah. I want to expect. I will now give people homework. If they want to demonstrate to me that they're really interested, because I don't, I don't, I've done private coaching yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I don't, I don't go after that a lot. Um, if they want me to help, they have to demonstrate that they really want it. Mm. And I will give homework because there are a lot of people out there that'll be like, yeah, what should I do? And then we, you know, we spin our wheels telling people, well, if you want to do it, this is how I, I could, and I, I can only tell people what I've done. Right, right, right. Um, but now I give them homework, and if they don't do the homework of, you know, writing down where they fit, writing down their voice style, making sure that they know where they fit, and these kinds of, if they don't do that, it's going to die on the vine. Yeah, because there, you got to be real. You got to be serious about it, That's like right. anything you do. Like anything you do, because I can't be a race car driver. <laughs> Man, I could talk to you for a whole another hour. I would love to, but uh, but our our time is quickly running to a to a close. How can people find you on social media and uh, those places? And they work? can they can pretty much just uh, Google Andrew Heil H E Y L. Um, I have a website andrewheil.com. You have a small podcast in there too that you recorded. I did. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was trying. It's, it's you know, it's a lot of work, man. It is. Uh, I was trying to. I had some really good interviews, and I was doing it about. Uh, about um, people in the industry, all oh, sorts, cool. composers, people that did ADR and looping, yeah. uh, copywriters. But uh, yeah, it just became a lot. So I think I've taken that part down. Okay. 
Uh, I'm leaving it to you to do the podcast. All right. Well, I will. I will grab the torch and keep it going. But Please I, do, dude. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. Thanks for letting in. me just talk your ear off, dude. Man. This was great. I, I I certainly hope that our listeners have got like found an ace they can keep and can come back to this because there's a lot of really great stuff. I yeah. think we're all just trying to do what we're passionate about. That's, that's the bottom line. That's all it takes. They wouldn't man. be listening to this if they weren't. That's true. So so stay passionate and hungry and. And don't take work. all of Kip's work away from him. He, he needs the money. He's got a kid. <laughs> I, do. I do. I'm going to age out of it. It's part of it. You age out. And you, you move on to other things. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where this journey takes you. And I'm going to leave you with this. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with that. Huh. With the aging out part. There, there's so much work out there. Jack Angel comes in. I mean, there are people that come in and they book. There's just mm. people that just, Yeah. It's out there. The work is out there. The opportunities are out there. Um, yeah. Go get them. That's all I got. Awesome. Love Andrew, you, man. Love you, too. Thank you so much for cool, coming brother. in. Cool, brother. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. Please take a moment to review the show and let other folks know what you thought. And if you dug it, please subscribe. Follow the show on Twitter at AllOverVO and check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AllOverVO with Kip VH. That's it for this time. You get what you get and don't get upset. Claim victory and depart the field.